Uh, so anyway, today we're continuing on with our series, Questions Jesus Asked. Now, now remember, every time Jesus opened his mouth and said something, it was important. He was never one to waste words. He was never one to, uh, you know, I told you last week that idle words were words where you put your mouth in gear and your brain in neutral. And, and he was never one to do that. He, wasn't spat, he never spouted off at the mouth. If he said something, there was something behind it. And, and if he asked something, there was a lesson to be learned. And so uh, this morning, we're going to answer the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? So John chapter 5, beginning verse number 1, a story that most of us are quite familiar with, says, after, the, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep, uh, the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for, their, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man, so this is the real story, a certain man was there who had uh, an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw, saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately. immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, last week as we kicked off this series, I, we, we answered the question, who am I? And, and you got to understand, when we kick that off, this is the question that is the center of our faith. Um, you get that question wrong when it comes to Jesus then you're wrong about everything that follows. So let me say it again. To be wrong about Jesus is to be wrong about everything that follows. And, and, and again, I made reference last week to one of the things I remember when 9-11 happened was uh, how all of a sudden our, our nation, people started saying, God bless America and God pray for America and all this stuff. And I was really intrigued by that because, as I've said before, I saw places that certainly are not holy and righteous that were invoking the name of God. In fact, uh, there was a triple X video store. I remember this picture. It was a triple X video store that had on its marquee, God bless America. And I'm thinking, well, what God do you suppose they want to bless America? You know, the one that winks at their indiscretions in sin. But, but the thing that was noticeably absent was Jesus. You know, God became popular again in 9-11. It only lasted about a month, but then, but, but I mean, he became popular again, but you didn't find Jesus. And again, when Jesus asked the question, who am I? If you get that question wrong, everything that follows is wrong. It's important. Jesus is not a way. He's the way. He's not a truth. He's the truth. He's not a life. He is life. And so we answered that question this morning. We're going to answer another penetrating question. And that is the question, do you want to get well? Now, it would be easy to say, so if, so if Jesus showed up to me and said, Mike, do you want to get well? How many of you know what I would say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm only allergic to one thing. Pain. See, you guys are good. <laughs> Pain. I, I mean, it, 
so if he asked me if I wanted to get well, absolutely I want to get well. So, so John gives us the narrative. Uh, Jesus, he says that when Jesus got, so there was a festival going on. When Jesus gets to Jerusalem, he entered the city by the sheep gate and he went to the pool of Bethesda. Now in Hebrew, it's Bethesda, Bethesda, which literally means house of mercy or house of grace. So, so it's kind of interesting to see how all this plays out. Jesus goes into the house of mercy or the house of grace and there's this pool. In fact, this place is still standing today, by the way. It was excavated, you know, 20, 30 years ago. We've stood there in 2018 when we went to Israel. We went to the pool of Bethesda. Uh, and there was a legend at that time. There was a legend that, that an angel would come down periodically and they couldn't see it. <laughs> but when the water started boiling or being disturbed, they thought, the legend taught that it was an angel washing its wings in the pool. And that whoever was the first to jump into the pool when that happened would be healed of whatever malady, infirmity, affliction, whatever it was that they had wrong with them, they would be healed. So, so Jesus arrives and he sees a man that has been on his mat. And again, I want you to visualize this. He's been on his mat battling this malady for 38 years. Okay, That's a long time to be stuck. 38 years is a long time to be stuck. So Jesus point blank goes to this man and ask him, do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? Now, at first, I mean, again, 38 years is a long time to be on your mat. Watch where I'm going with this. 38 years is a long time to be stuck on your mat. His, I mean, every day is like the day before. Somebody comes up to him and says, well, how's your day going? Well, it's just like yesterday. Well, how was yesterday? Well, it's like the day before. And a day before, for 38 years, he was stuck on his mat doing the same thing, watching, waiting, and hoping, but nothing ever changes. You know, sitting on the, that, that mat, and I want you to hear me, becomes a way of life. How many people today in Christendom are stuck on their mat? They're still doing the same thing they've always been doing. They, they've lost the joy. They've lost the enthusiasm. The zeal of their faith is gone. They're sitting on their mat. And the question is, do you want to get well? Uh, you know, this guy, again, 38 years living on his mat. Uh, he had a stagnant, stagnant existence with really no hope of anything different. You know, I, I find it very interesting that Jesus asked him such a question. Do you want to get well? I mean, it's almost absurd, right? I mean, of course he wants to get well. I mean, Jesus, why, why would you even ask such a question? I mean, because if you're going to ask me, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, how many would raise your hand if you want to get well? Well, I'd raise both hands, both legs. I mean, I'd do it all. You know, like Peter said, don't watch just part of me. <laughs> Here, do it all. You know, so, so again, it's kind of a silly question. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't ask that question just out of random curiosity. Jesus knew what we don't know. He knew something else was going on. You know, he knew what we don't know. What we don't know. You know listen, here's the thing. There are some people that just don't want to get well. I, I know that's absurd to think about, but there are people that absolutely don't want to get well. They've made their peace with their mat. They're comfortable on their mat. They learn to accommodate their mat in their daily lives, and they're comfortable with it. Oh, if you ask them, they will verbalize and say, yes, I want to get better, but the reality is they're very comfortable on that mat and they don't want to be disturbed. There are people that just don't want to get well. You know, it's become, 
that mat becomes a normal way of life for them, okay? They've lived this way, and, and, and you know, maybe when they started, may, you know, I mean, think about it, 38 years. So think about year one. I would imagine that he probably every day thought, this day will be my day. Today I'm going to get in the pool. Maybe it was every day, maybe for the first year, maybe the second year, maybe the third year, maybe even the fourth year. He's thinking, you know what, this is my, it's going to be my year. You know, we do it too. New Year's, don't we? We say, this is my year. I'm going to get better this year. I'm going to be closer to Jesus. I'm going to be more involved in church. I'm going to do this. This, this is my year. That's probably how he lived his life. But here he is 38 years later. It's become normal. He talks about getting well, but he's not really expecting anything. So what does he do? He erects walls. He cocoons himself off. He distances himself from other people. Why? Because he's trapped on his mat. He's living life on his mat. Imagine the emotional roller coaster this man is living with. Imagine how, again, up and down, up and down, expectation, the water bubbles and you know, they, they, they say, scholars say, there's an underground stream system there that with plate tectonics and things like that, when everything shifts, the water boils. It moves, it bubbles. So, so imagine him expecting to be able to get in and somebody cut him off, right? So the emotional roller coaster, you know, 38 years waiting, hoping for his miracle, only to be disappointed time and time again. Again, there was a lot of stuff going on other than his physical condition. We don't know about that. Jesus did. That's why I asked the question. See, every day he sat by the pool watching the water, hoping to be the first one in, and then he snapped into reality. So what does he do? He resigns himself to the fact that he would never walk again. And, and I want you to notice how he's living. He's living what is called the as soon as life. As soon as. Okay? So, so here, here's the way that plays out. Uh, and, and I want to tell you, as soon as the water bubbles, I'll get better. As soon as somebody puts me in the water, I'll be healed. That's a very dangerous way to live, my friend. If you live the as, as soon as life, it's a very, it's a very, I, again, most of us know how we live that away, right? We say it all the time. We say to ourselves over and over again, as soon as this happens, it'll be better. Do we not? As soon as that happens, it's going to be okay. As soon as I have more time, I'll be involved. As soon as I do this, as soon as I do that. Pastor, as soon as my ship comes in, hear me, it ain't coming. I know, it sank. It's not coming. <laughs> you know, we live, we live that life. As soon as I get this done, as soon as my husband gets better, as soon as my wife gets better, as soon as this, and it never happens. It never happens. Again, uh, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you find yourself on your mat. You're comfortable. You're living the as soon as life, and nothing's changing. As soon as I get my ducks in a row, your ducks are not going to line up. You ever tried herding cats? <laughs> They're not, it's not going to happen. As soon as I get this done, as soon as I finish school, as soon as I get married, as soon, and it goes on and on. And there are people that have been uh, saying as soon as for 50 years and nothing's ever changed. You know what? They're still on their mat and they're comfortable. See, we look at that mat as though it was a physical infirmity. Yeah, he had a physical infirmity, but how many of our mats are emotional? How many mats do we have that are emotional? We, we're stuck in a rut. You know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. 
That's a rut. How often do we get stuck in those ruts and we find it very comfortable? I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I, I'm a typical dude. I'm, I'm just a typical man. I love my routine. How many of you got up this morning and did the same thing that you normally do? Yeah. Now, now weekends might be a little bit different, but every day, starting tomorrow, you'll get up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you'll have the same routine. If you get up, you make coffee, you make coffee, what, whatever you do. If you go to Starbucks, you go to Starbucks and overpay for really nasty coffee. I, I'm, oh, I said that out loud. <laughs> That came out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. But it's the same, right? We have the same routine that we go through over and, and over again. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you find life because you've been stuck on your mat. Maybe you find it monotonous. You dream about your problem going away. You dream about, uh, again, think about it. You dream about improving your health. But you don't do anything, you're still on your mat. You still talk about as soon as I get time, I'll go to the gym. As soon as I get time, I'm going to start eating rice cakes instead of ho-hos. Right? You know, uh, and, and then we start talking about, I mean, think about it. We dream about our marriage getting better. Well, as soon as my husband straightens up, as soon as my wife gets an attitude adjustment, you know, hey, no, I'm preaching now. No, I mean, you understand. As soon as... Uh, you know, finances. Well, maybe one day, as soon as my finances get better, then I'll, I'll give to missions. Or I'll, it never happens. It never happens. You, be, you believe that. You, you, you've been hoping and dreaming and wishing, but yet there you are still on your mat. Last year's turned into this year, and if you don't do anything different this year, you know, it's like the old saying, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. What is the, what is the definition of Insanity. To do things different and expect different results? If I keep doing the same thing the same way over and over and over again, and I'm expecting different results, that's, just, that's insane. You know, I, I, I told the early service this morning, I said, you know, they, I read years ago, and I don't even know where I read it, but it said that most people, we get locked into a, a pattern of behavior, and our brain adapts to that. So, for instance, I'm right-hand dominant, okay? So I brush my teeth with my right hand. Every once in a while... I'll brush my teeth with my left hand. My wife will say, what are you doing? I said, I'm firing off neurons <laughs> in my brain. Because they say, they say that if you do something different. So like I may drive a different way home. What are you doing? I'm firing off neurons. I'm exciting my brain because I do things the same. You know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm a right-hand right hand dominant. So when I do Krav Maga, I get in a right-hand stance. Sometimes I'll go southpaw. Huh, I'm firing off neurons. I'm making excitement in my brain because it gets locked into a... How many of us do that with life? You know, the enemy tells you, well, it's not going to change. Your marriage won't get better. Your finances won't get better. Your, your husband, your, your health won't get better. Leave your husband. Leave your wife. Take drugs. Use alcohol. At least you can have a little bit of excitement in your life. Jesus asked this question because it drilled down to the core of what really mattered. Do you want to get well? And that's the question he's asking us today. Do you want to get well? So, so the implications of that are pretty tremendous. Let me give them to you real fast. So how was, able, how was Jesus able to help this man? Well, number one, he was able to help this man because he got this man, number one, to identify what he wanted. He got him to identify what he wanted. For 38 years, he sat beside this pool, lived a monotonous life. One day turned into the next and turned to the next and the next. And then one day he met a man 
who changed all of that by asking him a simple question, do you want to get well? Now, again, it sounds like a silly question, but the reality was it was a necessary question. And it's necessary today because here's the thing. The first step to, uh, the first step to deliverance is to identify what you want Jesus to do. The first step to deliverance is to identify what you want Jesus to do. I, I'm a big proponent of specific praying. If you have a son or daughter that's not serving the Lord, pray for that son and daughter to find Jesus. Pray the prayer, God, I pray that you open the eyes of their understanding that they might hear your truth and believe and be saved. You're praying for a husband, praying for a wife, that's the same thing. Pray for them. You pray and be specific in your prayer. Identify what it is that you want. Again, uh, blind Bartimaeus, when Jesus came to him, remember what he said? He said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And what did he say? He said that I might see. He identified what he wanted. I mean, here's the thing about this question. Healing this man would absolutely change his life. Again, read more. Think about the process of what's going on because it will totally change his life. What does it mean? Well, it means that he's going to have to get up and go get a job. For 38 years, he's lived on the benevolence of other people. He was a beggar. His, his entire livelihood came from the generosity of other people. And if Jesus healed him to where now he had nothing impairing him or preventing him from doing anything, he's going to have to go get a job. He's going to have to support himself, make new friends, function in a society that is totally foreign to him. Do you want to get well? What about us? What changes would we have to make? See, it's, more, it's deeper than just simply, God, I want you to heal my legs so I can walk. It's, there's a lot more going on to in, in this story than that because it's going to totally change his life. Again, it may seem like a silly question this morning, but do you want Jesus to touch you? Do you want him to meet your need, heal your body, bless your finances, restore your marriage? If not, listen, turn me off for the rest of the sermon because this don't apply to you. But if you want Jesus to do something, listen up. See, so oftentimes we come to God with this list of bless me's and we really don't identify what we need for this lame man to walk he had to desire to give up something in order to get something else he had to give up something to get something else like the story again i told this in early service uh, every year i don't know if they do it anymore but klty used to play this story about uh, uh, a little girl that had a dime store pearl necklace I love that story. She loved that pearl necklace. Her dad would come in in the evening, tuck her into bed at night there and say, and ask the sweet, her little girl, hey, sweetheart, can you give, would you give daddy your pearl necklace? It was a dime store necklace. Wasn't worth really anything. And she said, oh, no, daddy, I can't give you this. I love, this is my pearl necklace. She loved that necklace. And he would go every night and he would do the same thing. And finally, one, one night, the little girl with tears streaming down her face said, yeah, daddy, I, I love you. You can have my pearl necklace. And she dropped the pearl necklace into his hand. And with the other hand, he reached behind and gave her a set of real pearls. You see, sometimes when God is asking us to let things go, it's so that we can trade one thing for something better. And for this guy, that's exactly what it was. He would have to let go of a way of life that he's known for 38 years in order to find a better life through Christ. He had to decide if walking was more important 
than his comfort. He had to be willing to step out into the great unknown. Isn't that what faith is all about? Isn't that what the call of faith is, to step out, to launch out into the deep? You know, we got too many believers today that want to, we want to stay on the shore. We want to dip our toe in and test the temperature of the water when, the, when faith is all about just diving in. Some of you might remember, you're, we did a concert one time. We, do, we used to do many, many concerts for like back-to-school bashes, and, and, and we had this big old scaffolding system set up right here. And it went all the way up. I think it was three sections of scaffolding. And on the back side of the scaffolding, we had a... Uh, a mat that we had borrowed from the school that the pole vaulters use, okay? You know, you jump over and fall on the mat. We had put it up there, and we did a, like a little video, human video, to the song, I'm Diving In. And so we had kids. I look back now, and I think, man, we did some really crazy stuff. So we had, we had youth group. We had a youth group. They'd climb up that, that uh, scaffolding, get on the platform, and when that song started talking about I'm diving in, they would dive off the back of it onto that mat back there. And parents let us do that. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta go for it. And this guy, had, listen, are, are you willing to lay it all on the line? Again, if Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? Are you willing to lay it on the line? If you need a financial blessing, are you willing to keep your purse open to the call of God? See, a lot of times we say, God, I need a financial miracle. We get the financial miracle, and we're not more generous to the Lord and the work of the Lord than we were before. How about, how about your health? We want our bodies healed. Are we willing to use our bodies in service of the king? What about our marriage? We get our marriage healed. Are we willing to uh, you know, dedicate our home to the master's use? It was a tough question. Do you want to get well? Jesus helped him identify what he wanted. Second thing he did was he got him to, he helped him to stop blaming other people. By the way, that's, this is still going on today. <laughs> you know, this man was so comfortable on his mat that he did what so many people do today. When Jesus asked him, do you, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I mean, the man doesn't even say yes. Did you notice that? The man doesn't shake his head, doesn't say yes, doesn't acknowledge it. What does he do? He said, well, they don't help me. So what is he doing? He started making excuses and blaming other people. He said, well, no one will help me when the waters are troubled. You know, it's so easy to blame other people for our inconsistencies and failures. Well, I'd be a better husband if she'd be a better wife. Well, I'd be a better wife if he'd be a better husband. I mean, <laughs> where did it end? Where does it end, right? Passing the buck is, has been mankind's scapegoat since the, gar, since the Garden of Eden. You do know that, right? We've been passing the buck since the Garden of Eden. When, when Adam and Eve ate of forbidden fruit, God came down, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening, looking for them. When he finally found them, he looks at Adam. He says, Adam, watch this you've done. He, he said, the woman you gave me. <laughs> and, and so he says to Eve, Eve, watch this you've done. She said, the snake, <laughs> the serpent, it's been going on. I mean, one of my favorite stories of passing the buck is when Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the law of God. You know the story. It's a great story. And he's been gone a long time, longer than what they expected. So he finally gets the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and he's walking down the mountain, and the Bible says he hears a sound. There's a big riotous noise going on in the camp. And he comes down, and there's all these people worshiping a golden calf. And he goes to Aaron. He left Aaron in charge, the high priest. And he goes to Aaron. He said, Aaron, 
It's my own version. It's like, what? what's the deal, man? Here's what he said. He said, the people pressured me to do something since you were gone. There it is. Since you were gone so long, the people pressured me to do something. They wanted gods like the Canaanites. Here's what he said. He said, I took their jewelry, I threw it in the fire, and shazam, out came this calf. Really? <laughs> that's what, that's, read it. That's what he said. He said, I just took their, their gold, I threw it in the fire, and poof, there it was. A calf. Passing the buck. We, we do the same thing. Preacher, I'd stop drinking if my wife would quit nagging. <laughs> Preacher, I'd quit nagging my husband if he would do what I want him to do. Preacher, I'd work harder, but nobody appreciates. I'd be involved in ministry, but nobody appreciates my work. Boo-hoo. You know, you can almost hear the violins playing. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Listen, we can't control what other people do, right? But I can control how I respond to what they do. That's it. If you want a better marriage, be the best husband or wife you can possibly be with God's help. That, that's it. I mean, we're not building rockets. We're talking about relationships. Be the, best, be the best wife you can be. Be the best husband you can be. And your marriage will get better. If you don't want your marriage to get better, stay like you are. Keep doing the same. Stay on your mat. And you'll wake up in five years and wonder why my marriage is not better. Because you're still on the mat. Jesus got this man to identify what he wanted. He got him to quit blaming other people. And the third thing he got him to do was to act in faith. Got him to act in faith. You know, I, when I read this story, I'm intrigued by this story. Because when you read it, it's interesting to note that Jesus does not help the man into the water. Did you notice that? He doesn't help the man in the water. In fact, there's no indication that the water's even turning at that moment. Jesus doesn't help him. I mean, Jesus just comes up to his mat. Talk about unprecedented and unheard of. Jesus just shows up at his mat. And, and, and again, the same mat, the same situation he'd been in for 38 years. And then spe Jesus speaks words of life to him. says, rise, take up your mat, and walk. Okay, well, now you got a problem. <laughs> you know, this man could have come up with more excuses. I mean, when Jesus looked at him and said, rise, take up your mat and walk, he could have said, what are you talking about? Are you serious? I mean, do you know how long I've wanted to do this? Do you know how long I've, I've been here 38 years, and you tell me to get up and walk? Don't you think I've tried before? He could have easily done that. How many times do we protest at what God asked us to do because we found it very comfortable to be on our mat? God, do you realize I've gone to the altar a hundred times? God, do you realize I've worked in that ministry? God, do you realize? Yeah, we, do this, we do the same thing. But here's what this guy did. He risked further letdown and disappointment if he tried. Again, you've got to know that for 38 years, he did try. Because he said, I couldn't make it there. If I got close enough, somebody would always cut me off. You've got to know he tried. He probably got to the point where he quit trying. And so now Jesus is challenging him again, saying, you know what? Rise, take up your mat and walk. Now he's got a choice. Do I risk disappointment again? Do I risk failure again? But the Bible says he got up, packed up his mat, and he walked. He experienced healing and wholeness 
for the first time in his entire life. His body was healed. His mind was restored. And, and here's an inter another interesting caveat about this story. The man doesn't leave his mat there. Did you notice that? He doesn't leave his mat there. You know why? Because his circumstances, his circumstances are real. I mean, they're real. The difference is now he is carrying them and before they were, they were carrying him. See, there's a difference. He swapped places. See, before his circumstances dictated his life. Now Jesus said, rise up and walk. He gets up and now he's in charge. He's carrying the things that used to hold him back. See, that's the same thing. When Jesus tells us to rise and walk, we may not immediately see our circumstances change. In fact, sometimes God, Jesus doesn't always change our circumstances, but he always changes us. He always changes us. Later on in verse 14, I know it was deeper than just his physical malady because in verse 14, Jesus finds the same man in the temple, and here's what he said to him. He said, see, you have, made, you have, you have been made well. Sin no more unless worse things will come upon you. So you know there's more going on than just the physical healing. This man needed spiritual healing. So Jesus comes to him on that mat, and he knows what's going on. It's kind of like the rich man that came to Jesus said, what do I need to find eternal life? He said, you'll do all these, oh, yeah, 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 I've done all that. Well, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. See, Jesus knew there was an issue there. This man's laid on his mat. Jesus knew there's something deeper going on. So he said, man, do you want to get well? <laughs> okay, well, now let me think about it. If I, if I get well, I got to get up. I got to go get a job. I got to support myself, get a house, new friends, function in a society I don't know anything about. But nevertheless, that's your word, just like Peter said. Listen, when you and I act in obedience, I got to close. Guys, come on back as I get this ready. I'm in my first closing. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> When we act, in, listen, when you and I act in obedience, when we take a stand, when he says rise and walk, when you and I stand, we find a whole new perspective for looking at the challenges of life. If I didn't know this to be true, I wouldn't preach it. You know, again, you know my story well. Every day it's a different adventure. You know, I'll go to bed last night. Sheila's planning to come to church today, and so I got everything ready for her, got her clothes out, everything ready to go to get her up and get her dressed and bring her to church. And I get up this morning, and she's like, I, I just don't feel like getting out. I filter things now through a different lens. My circumstances don't change, but how I view those things change. When I walk in obedience, my, my obedience is to the vows that I made before God to my wife. In sickness and in health until death do us part. And that frames how I look at the challenges that come along. Are they pleasant? Not really. You know, when James said count it all joy, I, that's a guy I want to talk to because I haven't found any situation I can count it all joy <laughs> when I got into those situations. But I do know the outcome of them. It's kind of like the old saying, again, if you, if you want something you never had, you have to do something you've never done. It's not mind over matter. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It come, it, it, and it comes when we, you and I step out in obedience Listen, I don't pretend that everything's okay when it's not. He's not asking us to do that. I'm not pretending that I've got things under control when I don't have them under control. I'm not doing that. To experience breakthroughs, I, I've got to go to the Lord and be honest with Him. Identify, quit making excuses. 
I got to get, I got to do all of those things. This man suffered for 38 years. He settled into his tough but comfortable emotional roller coaster. And I can't help but wonder on this Sunday morning, whether you're online or here, how many of us have settled into our comfortable spot on our mat? We want to get better. I mean, intellectually, we want to get better, but we're just very comfortable. And to, and to get off that mat is going to require me to do a little changing, you know? And, and for a lot of people, that's, 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 a, that's a deal breaker right there because we don't want to change. You know, we sit on our mat, we wait, we hope, we watch, hoping. Jesus asked this man, that changed, this man a question that changed the trajectory of his life. And he had to overcome so much emotional trauma to tap into the Holy Spirit on the inside. Think about the emotional trauma. Always, you know, you can only be disappointed so many times. After a while, that disappointment turns into depression. That's why people today, you know, build walls. I tell people, you know, again, you know my, you know my heart. This body is designed to be a help to those who are hurting. But so many people today, when they find themselves in the thick of it, what do they do? They isolate themselves. They stay away from the body, the very thing that God intended to help us. See, not... God's placed in this body people that have experience in life. And I've, I, I will, just like the guy with, the, you know, the, the, whatever his name was that sold suits. You're going to like the way you look, I guarantee you. Listen, I can guarantee you that there's somebody here that has battled what you are battling now. That there's somebody here that was on their mat, the same that you're on your mat, and God's placed them here to be a resource to help you. Not one of those been there, done that, got the T-shirt thing, just simply say, you know what, if God could help me through this, he can do it for you as well. See, we just don't avail ourselves to it. We isolate, we withdraw, and we try to do it on our own. God never intended that. Paul said it's a work of the Holy Spirit. This man had to overcome his trauma. And, and Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, look, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That's why the Bible all through Scripture tells us that you and I are to walk in the Spirit, we're to live in the Spirit, we're to keep step with the Spirit. If there are emotional traumas in our life, if there's a mat that we're comfortable with, we've got to let the Holy Spirit work on the inside. Again, I'm not denying the hardships, I'm not denying the difficulties. Psalm 147 verse 3 says it like this, God will bind up the brokenhearted and He will heal their wounds. So let me ask you, do you want to get well? And before you jump up and say, yes, I want to be well, I want you to think about what that means. Do you want to get off your mat? Are you tired of going around, you know, one week turn into the next week, into the next month, into the next year? Listen, there, there's new, the Bible says with God, His mercies are what? They're new every morning. When the children of Israel were making their sojourn and they were coming out of Egypt to go into the promised land, the Bible provided for them resources that they needed to live, and it was a daily portion. They go out and get the manna for the day. On the weekend, it was longer, but God provided what they needed daily. They didn't get comfortable. When they did, God said, hey, you've been around this mountain long enough. Get up. Go. 
Maybe you came in here this morning as I wrap this up. And maybe you're sitting on your mat, watching, waiting, hoping that God will do something. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Rise, take up your mat, and walk. Be free in Jesus' name. What you do with that is entirely up to you. This man had to make a choice. Do I want to get well? With all that that means, and obviously the story was, yes, I want to be well. He got up, took up his mat. Do I want to be well financially? Then are you willing to live financially according to the Scriptures? Listen, God's got the best economic plan you can ever even imagine. You ask people today about finances, they'll tell you that there's nobody that can improve on what God has taught about finances. Do you want to get better in your marriage? You know what? Are you willing to make a change? Are you willing to quit saying, well, it's her fault? Well, it's his fault. You know what? Why don't you say it's our fault and I'm going to do my part? Are you willing to do that? Sometimes getting off your mat means you've got to swallow some crow. You've got to eat crow. I'm, I'm telling you, salt and pepper tastes like chicken. I've, I've eaten enough crow in my day. I'm telling you, salt and pepper tastes like chicken. Are you willing to do that? Well, you just don't understand. And one of the mats I think that's really, really problematic in the church today is offense. How many people are stuck on the mat of offense? Somebody failed to do something. Somebody did something, said something that, that, that's got them stuck on their mat. You got to be willing to say, you know what, whether, you, whether they deserve it or not. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm, I would be very careful with that because none of us deserve what Jesus has given to us. He said, freely you receive, freely give. But yet maybe you need to release that one that's offended you so you can get off your mat. And if you're not willing to release that person, then you'll stay right there on your mat. It'll, one year turn into two, 10 years will turn into 20, 20 years will turn into 40. You'll still be on that mat wishing, hoping, and praying that things change. And until you let that thing go, it'll never change. My question as I close, do you want to get well? And if you do, then Jesus is here today saying, rise, take up your mat, and walk, and be free. Would you stand with me this morning? I told you his questions were never just simple questions. <laughs> but there's purpose behind it. There's marriages that are in trouble. There's finances that are in trouble. There's health that's in trouble. There's spiritual uh, lives that are in trouble. All because we've gotten stuck. And this morning is today, is the day to say, you know what? Today I choose to take up my mat. Again, that mat was his circumstances. They didn't change. I mean, his, his did, but the mat represents the situation was a real deal. What you're going through is a real deal. The hurt that you feel is probably real hurt. The disappointment that you feel is probably real disappointment. I'm not denying any of that. But what I'm saying is don't let that rob you of what he has for you. You see, this man had to let go of something in order to gain something better. And I think that's what the Lord is here doing this morning. Say, you know what, if you want to get something better, you've got to let go of what you got. The hurt... Listen, your family may have disappointed you. Your family may have disowned you. They may have not been good family to you. Break that. Stop the cycle today. Say, Lord, today I'm getting off the mat. I'm not going to be hostage to my past. 
I'm not going to be hostage to those things any longer because I'm trading that for something better. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want somebody to pray with me. I'm ready to make that exchange. Then while we sing this morning, would you come and just line? I want you to just come here. And as they get here, I want our prayer team to come down and pray with each of you. You say, Pastor, I, I, I get embarrassed when I, when I come down to the altar. You know what? Don't do that. No reason to be embarrassed. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're to stand with one another, pray with one another. So while we sing, I want you to come. If you need prayer, want somebody to pray with you, I want you to come. Time to get off the mat. Time to get off the mat. Trade that old thing for something new in Christ. Your blood is healing every wound. Your blood is making all things new. Your blood speaks a better word. Your blood measure up my worth. Your blood is more than I deserve. Your blood speaks a better word. Speaks a better word. It's singing out with life. It's shouting down the lines. It echoes to the night. The precious blood of Christ speaks a better word. Speaks a better word. Your Righteousness, your blood, my hope and my defense, your blood forever covers me, forever covers me. And it's singing out with life, it's shouting down the Precious blood of Christ speaks a better word, speaks a better word. It's calling out with life. It's shouting down the line. It echoes through the night. The precious blood of Christ speaks a better word. blood of Christ speaks a better word, speaks a better word. 
It's rewriting my history It covers me with destiny It's making all things right The precious blood of Christ It's rewriting my history It covers me with destiny It's making all things right The precious blood of Christ It's rewriting my history It's making all things right, the precious blood of Christ. It's rewriting my history. It covers me with destiny. It's making all things right, the precious blood of Christ. It's singing out with life. It's shouting down the lines. It echoes through the night. The precious blood of Christ speaks a better word. Bless the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. There used to be a song years ago before we dismissed. There used to be a song that says, Whose report are you going to believe? His word speaks a better word. Life will continue offering you the same mundane existence. His word gives a better word. I want to challenge you. Get off your mat. Live in the fullness of what God has for you. And you know what? It's a daily walk. What you have today will not last you till next Sunday. So when you get up in the morning, Lord, I'm off my mat. Today I'm going to walk in the fullness of who you called me to be. God's got something ready to go. Father, today I love you. I thank you for healing. I thank you for deliverance. Lord, I thank you that you've come to us on our mat and you said rise and walk. Lord, today we take that step of faith. As difficult as it is, Lord, we launch into the unknown. We step out of what is comfortable. We release those things that we have held on to for a long, long time. 
And Father, we begin to function as you've called us to. Let us live in that newness of life. We want to be well. We want to walk in your fullness. So Father, take us out of here today. Put that spring in our step. Lord, let, don't let it just fizz out by the end of the day. Lord, may we walk this week circumspectly with that awareness that, Lord, you've commanded us to get off our mat. And, Lord, we will now take it and we will walk daily in that covenant promise that you who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Go with us, I pray. Give us a great day, a great week, should you tarry. Lord, let us rejoice in your faithfulness. I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. I love you very much. God bless you. Just blood of pride speaks the best.